Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. So great to have you here as we jump into the book of Matthew. If you have a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn there to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Uh, There's Bibles available at the back. Feel free even right now to hop up. Go ahead and grab one back by the giving box back there. You can just take that home if you don't have one and keep it as your own. One of the things we, we value greatly uh, within our church community here is the Scripture uh, because it's God's Word to us. It's God's Word to teach us. It's God's Word, God's word to remind us and to lead us in all things uh, that uh, He wants us to know. Um, so we... We just, we love that. In fact, this afternoon, uh, th- this year, we're going through the Bible together as a church family. Many of you have joined us in that. Uh, we, we finished up second, we finished up first Kings recently, and uh, we're, we're into second Kings and getting ready to go into Chronicles pretty soon. And tonight, we're actually going to be gathering at 6 p.m. here uh, to talk about where we've been in our reading. Maybe you haven't been joining us in that. Jump in today. There's Bible reading plans back at the Welcome Center. Um, and if you'd like to join us digitally, too, uh, come, come see me right after the service and we'll connect you with that. Uh, jump into God's word. It's one of the most amazing things um, that God uses to teach us about who he is and what he wants from us. And we're going to be looking at that this morning as we look at uh, a new series for the next few weeks here on kingdom living principles. Now, disclaimer, um, we're beginning the series on kingdom living principles. It's going to go about four or five weeks here until we hit June. Uh, and my prayer for these next weeks is that we w- learn how to walk better as followers of Jesus. But I know as soon as we put together a series called Kingdom Living Principles, I, I have this fear that we create principles that create rules. And what we end up focusing on is the how and not that, or, or we end up focusing on rules of how to live and not in like miss the point. And the point is this, the, the, the point is, is that, yeah, God does have certain things he wants us to live by, but he's given us a spirit. He's given us his spirit to cause us, the scripture says, to walk in his ways. And it's really easy sometimes to create a rule for something and miss the whole point that God wants to walk in and through you in your daily life here and now. What we can do is create all these rules and it's the do's and the don'ts and we miss the relationship. And what God cares most about is the relationship because that's how God transforms us. It's kind of like if you have a good friend or a spouse, one of the ways you get to know them is through relationship. You could have rules for your, for your um, friendship or whatever, but if you don't spend time and if you don't engage, you miss so much of what that relationship is designed to be. And what God wants for you and for me is for us to go deep in our relationship with him. And as a result of that, what happens is as we present ourselves to God, God begins to show us and reveal to us more and more of what he cares about. And he invites us in this journey of knowing him. That's what it means to know Jesus. It's this dynamic relationship of walking with God. So it's not first and foremost about what we do or how to do it. It's about with whom do we walk? With whom do we walk? The truth is this. God always provides what we need to accomplish his purposes. 
He always provides what we need to accomplish his purposes. But there's two ways that we tend to fail. The first one's this. Number one, we try to accomplish God's purposes in our own strength. And this is so like normal. It's like, well, I've got to do this. So I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And we, and we make it sometimes even about like, well, I have to do this in order for God to love me. No, 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 no. God loves each one. He loves each one of us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Our worth and our identity as God's children is not based upon what we do. It's based upon whose we are. That's what he invites us into. So we fail many times because we try to accomplish God's purposes in our own strength. But there's another way that we tend to fail in the Christian walk. And maybe you've experienced this one too. We try to accomplish our purposes and ask for God to bless them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We say, here's where I'm going to go. God, would you go ahead and bless this? And it may not reflect his heart or his purposes in one way, shape, or form. The center of what God wants is he wants us to know him in a very personal, a very dynamic way. And as a result of us knowing him, he wants to transform us into the person he wants us to be. That's the call for people of God. So we've read Matthew 28. We won't read it again. Last week, we talked about the first part of the, of the um, resurrection morning. We're going to look at three things today. We're going to look at God's power, God's purpose, and God's presence. I don't alliterate very often. Uh, I, had a, I had a professor back in uh, undergraduate school that alliterated everything. Like unimportant words he would alliterate just to make it alliterate, and it just drove me up a wall. So I, I'm kind of averse to alliteration, but this was too good to pass up. God's power, God's purpose, and God's presence are three things we're going to look at today from Matthew 28. Uh, look with me, please, here, beginning in verse 16. What, what we find is that the disciples travel to Galilee, and they go to a mountain. All right, Galilee is an area where Jesus spent a lot of his ministry time. He, he, he lived up there for a good chunk of uh, the period. It, it's one of the, the most beautiful areas, honestly, in my opinion, in Israel. Here's what the Galilee looks like. This is one of the mountains in Galilee. This is a mountain called Mount Ar Arbel. And this is a common mountain that people go up and down. There's, there's several mountains in this area. Um, and so we don't know exactly which mountain that Jesus is going to go to. But you can just imagine that they go up and they meet him on a mountain. Maybe this one. Here's the view from the top. When we were in Israel several years ago, we were able to climb up to this one. Then we got to climb down, and the views are absolutely breathtaking. From up here, you can see the whole northern side of the Sea of Galilee. That's what's on your left there. You've got um, uh, Capernaum. You've got all like the major cities. A lot of the major cities in Jesus' ministry are all within view here, taken from atop of this rock cropping. We actually got to walk down this rock cropping, and we had to hold on to this ledge and these things that were drilled into the side of the, of the mountain. It was, it was a ton of fun, and I was freaking out because my wife was six months pregnant. I'm like, don't fall, you know, one of those things. Um, but it's just a gorgeous area. And it's a place where um, people would go, and they'd go up there to pray. They'd go up there to spend time with God. And the mountains in the remote regions were one of the places of Jesus' teaching. And he goes up there, and, and he says to them, um, I, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. Now, these are disciples, and he tells them, I want you to go make disciples. So, so the inference is, basically, what I have done in my relationship with you, I want you to go and I want you to continue to do likewise. 
I want you to go and to continue to preach and to engage with other people the good news of the kingdom. And he invites them again into this practice of discipleship. The, the word disciple actually comes from a word that means learner, pupil, or apprentice. All right? Sometimes we have in our, in our minds that disciple is the person who has made it. Not at all. The learner, the pupil, the apprentice. So Jesus is saying, I want you to be my disciple and I want you to go make disciples, which as a part of this, is there, there's a process. He, he's saying, I want you to engage in an intentional process where what I have taught you becomes ever more present and real in your life so that you, as you continue to learn as a disciple, you go and you begin to teach and invest those kingdom principles in other people so that they follow me. That's the idea of discipleship here. It's a follower or, or it's a learner who doesn't just want to know certain things. Like they don't want a, a, a data dump from a hard drive. They, they want to know what, but they want to know who. Because part of the discipleship process involves relationship. This is a group of men. These 11 men and others who were with them, but especially these 11 men had followed Jesus for several years now. It wasn't academic to them. It was, what's Jesus going to do here? How is he going to help us understand his heart towards this person and that person? Jesus used all sorts of teaching opportunities. So teaching was a part of this. But what's at the center of his relationship? Relationship is at the center of this. They, they want to not just know what their rabbi knows. They want to be like their rabbi. And the best way to become like someone is to spend so much time with them that pretty soon their mannerisms become yours. Their phrases become yours. Their thoughts, even more and more as you have conversations, become yours. I, I, I can look at kids within our church. I can look at kids within my house and go, yep, they got that from me. Or, you know, I can look at your kids and I can say, yep, they got that from that parent. Because when you spend time with someone, you become more and more and more like them. That's what Jesus is inviting them into and encouraging them to go deeper with. My friend Keith likes to put it this way. When he talks about discipleship, one time he said, discipleship begins the moment you meet somebody. Discipleship begins the moment you meet somebody because at that very moment, you're giving them something. You're imparting something into them. Now, the question is, is what are you imparting into them? But discipleship begins the moment you meet somebody. There's three observations for, for kingdom living here in the text. The first one is this, based on discipleship. Jesus has power or authority, the Greek word is exousia. Can you say exousia? Exousia, it's just a fun word to say. P Jesus has power and authority over the world. The reason Jesus can say, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples, and he can do so with such great, um, not command, but such great authority is because he literally has authority. Um, Jesus came and, and he lived and he died and he rose again, conquering sin and death, showing utter power over the grave. And we know um, from Daniel, our study in Daniel back in chapter 7, there's a picture given of a guy by the name of the Ancient of Days. It's talking about the Lord. The Ancient of Days in Daniel 7 is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom in all peoples, the text says, and nations and languages should serve him. 
Jesus is coming to his disciples and he's saying all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, heaven and earth is basically a simple way of saying all authority everywhere you can imagine. All right? Everything you see, all authority has been given to me. And he's calling them to not find their authority in Rome or find their authority in uh, the Jewish ruling council or find their authority in themselves. He's saying all authority has been given to me. He's giving them the source from which they will live and they will walk as his disciples. All authority, all power has been given to me. And this is an important thing because it's easy to look at the world around us and say, God, where is the authority in the world? Where's the, God, God, what is going on? And Jesus is reminding his people, don't worry. All authority has been given to me. You don't have to worry where the buck stops. The buck stops here. And he invites them into this relationship where they recognize that Jesus' identity, that he's demonstrated all along, through things like his teaching and his healing and his forgiveness of sins, the authority that they saw then, it's broad. It's broad in scope. All authority, he says, has been given to me. And with this authority, Jesus comes to reveal himself to people, demonstrating his power over sin and death, but he calls them then to yield themselves to who he is and his purposes in our life and in the world. And, and so when, when Jesus disciples, when, when, we, when we walk, we walk in his authority because we are Christ's ambassadors. The New Testament calls the people of God, people who have trusted Jesus with their life, people who have died to sin and been made alive by the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. It says that, they, that we are Christ's ambassadors. We, we become people who represent the king on earth in a very tangible way, in a very incarnational way, in a very flesh and blood kind of way. We become people who are Christ's ambassadors. And an ambassador is someone who speaks on behalf of someone else. And that's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do. You're to speak on behalf of me. Why? Because I have all authority. The power that you and I have as followers of Jesus for the purpose that he has given us in this world comes from him. May we never forget that. And it just causes us to ask the question, are you walking in the power and the authority of God today? Are you walking in the power and the authority of God today in your life? Jesus has power and authority, exousia, over the world. And he gives that power and authority in a small way to his ambassadors. The second thing is that Jesus gives our lives purpose, all right? So power, purpose. Purpose is the second one. Um, the purpose here that Jesus outlines for his disciples, that he outlines for you and I, is, is very clear. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19 then says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. All right, so, so there's a couple of um, imperatives in here. Uh, and there's a couple of participles. Now, participle is generally speaking a word that ends in ing. It has, it has this idea of ongoing action. And, and the primary verb here, the primary imperative verb is make disciples. But in Greek, you can also understand the word go, which is a in your going. You can also properly understand that in Greek to mean go. 
as a, as a command, not, not, not a, uh, a possibility, but a command. So it's rightly translated, go, therefore, in your going, telling you go and make disciples. And, and what, what are we to do with that? Well, uh, to make disciples, notice what he says here. He says, of all nations. There's, there's no um, limit here. There's no stay in this region. There is a, I want you to go. I want you to be intentional. I want you to be purposeful in everything you do. And I want you to go forth and build within the peoples of all nations, tribes, and tongues what it means to follow Jesus. Ancient rabbis, this is part of the ancient rabbinical method. Ancient rabbis um, would often uh, be approached by people who wanted to be their disciples. So a, a potential disciple would come up to an ancient rabbi and he would say, Rabbi, could I become your disciple? The rabbi would give them maybe a little bit of a question and answer to see how much they knew about God's word, to see where they're at and what they believed uh, about scripture. And he would say, the rabbi would say, yes, you may be my disciple. Or the rabbi might say, no, you may not be my disciple. There was two prominent schools at the time of Jesus. One was the school of Hillel. Another was the school of Shammai. And these people had slightly different perspectives on things within the scripture. But they sought to reproduce their life in the life of the disciples. Uh, it's interesting that in the ancient period, the disciple, potential disciple, would come up to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, can I be your disciple? What Jesus does when he comes to these 11 disciples is he comes and he calls them, which, which was kind of backwards. He comes and he says, Peter, come follow me. Andrew, come follow me. Matthew, come follow me. And so on. He calls them out of whatever they had been doing. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. He kind of takes the ones that the people would have least expected because they're past the age where they would have engaged in this process of discipleship. He goes to them and he says, come, follow me. The theme or one of the phrases at the time of Jesus was raise up many disciples. But what Jesus commands here is he says, raise up many disciples not for you, disciples, for me. Make disciples of all nations, teaching, or of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus takes the initiative in calling disciples. And as he leaves this command with the disciples, he calls them to a similar practice, to go imperative, to be proactive, to look for opportunities in every part of your life to make a disciple, not of yourself, but of your master, Rabbi Jesus. Where he once called these disciples in Matthew chapter 10 to go to the lost sheep of Israel, now he is saying, I want you to go into all the world. Every tribe that you think is too far, every city that you think is too ungodly, every rural area that you think is too crazy, I want you to go and I want you to take the message of Jesus to that context. When I was traveling last year with one of our, um, our missionary partners, we were driving past this area and it was a very, very ritzy area of, the, of part of the city that we were in. 
And he turned to me and he said, oh, I've had a burden to get people to go into that city. And he described the kind of people that would need to, the kind of people, the kind of background, the kind of training that would need to be to minister to a very high-end, rich, affluent people far from God in that city. And he goes, oh, I just have a burden for them. And I went, oh my word, I wouldn't have ever thought about that because it was so context-specific. Jesus is saying here, I want you to go with intention, with purpose. And your going is going to look different than mine. I know some other people, I've got some friends on the other side of the world who serve in an island region, sharing the message of Jesus amongst a very hostile context. We've got some people who've recently um, left a country where there's a lot of trouble going on. And they've spent their lives there for over a decade building into the native people, what, teaching them what it means to follow Jesus, demonstrating to them that their life doesn't have to be about the things that they see around them. It can be about a heavenly-minded business, calling them into this kind of way of living. He calls them, he calls us to go to all peace people, nations, and tongues. And he says, as you go, here's how you're going to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them everything I've commanded you. Baptizing and teaching. Uh, the word baptizing here, it, it doesn't describe a salvation event, all right? Baptism in the scripture um, symbolizes an inward reality of what God has already done to bring someone from dead in their transgressions and sins to making them alive in Christ Jesus. Baptism has to do with identification. When, when someone wants to be baptized, it's about with whom do they identify? Do they identify with the things of this world? Whatever those may be, they're varied. Or do they identify with what Christ has done for them? Literally, when, when, we, when we baptize people, often what we will say is, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Because baptism symbolizes that you and I are no longer who we used to be before Jesus stepped in and rescued us from our sin. Every one of us, within the sound of my voice, have lived a part of our life, and some of us are, are still living there, where we are far from God where we're lost in our transgressions and our sins. Baptism is this act by which a believer says, that's not who I was. Because look at what Jesus did in my life. So literally, when we baptize people, they are testifying to us, I'm no longer who I was. I am alive in Christ. They were already that way before their baptism. But it's this picture for them and for the community of look at how God changes people. Look at how God takes people who once walked this way, but who are now this in Christ Jesus. What an incredible thing baptism is. The visual symbol that their life has died to the power of sin and been made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're called in discipleship to baptize. We're also called to teach. Now, I say the word teach, and some of us go, ooh, I'm not a teacher. Notice, this command is for all disciples of Jesus. If you're a disciple here today, God is commanding you to teach. 
Now, he's not necessarily commanding you to come up here and to talk for however, however many minutes. What he's saying is, I want you to instruct the people whom are in your life. I want you to teach them by way of action, by way of speech, what Jesus has done in you. Your best teaching moment, follower of Jesus, if, that, if, if teaching kind of freaks you out, your best teaching moment is to say, here's what God has done in my life. Can I share it with you? Because he can do the same in yours. And as God reveals his truth to you, you then become a person who can, then can reveal that truth to other people. Um, years ago, I used to teach a lot of trumpet lessons. I was a trumpet major in college. I know, I don't play it very often anymore. But, but one of the amazing things that I learned in teaching trumpet lessons was this. Whatever I had learned in my lesson that week, almost without fail became my student's lesson for that week as well, in a different way. Like they wouldn't get it maybe at the same level that I did, but if we were looking at how to create consistent tone or how to work on articulation of notes or um, airflow, we would always, I would always be taking what I was learning from my teacher and I would be instilling that principle into my students. And because I knew that my teacher was really good because he was really good, and I knew that I was not as good, but I could at least copy the words uh, to some extent, and I could begin to appropriate some of those ideas and principles. I knew that I could take what was true and push it, in, and not push it in a negative way, but, but, but um, impart it to the people whom I was called to steward. That's kind of the idea of discipleship. It's taking what God has revealed to you in his word and by his spirit and using that truth, God's truth, to speak into the life of someone else for the purpose of helping them follow Jesus and ultimately for the purpose of helping that person help someone else follow Jesus. Because the discipleship model is not a just one and done. It's meant to be an ongoing thing. So we have disciples that come in and out of our lives through different times. That's okay. We, we have people whom we meet, and we might be able to meet with them for four years or three years throughout formal settings or informal settings. It might only be a couple of different times. What God is saying is, go, and as you go, make disciples. Make your life about what I'm doing in you and impart that truth to someone else and help equip them to better follow me. That's the idea of discipleship. Teaching is this act of sharing God's truth so that they can share this truth with someone else. And the reason we started with that it, it's God's power is because it's going to be God's power and God's authority, the authority and the truthfulness of his word that brings fruit. As teachers, sometimes you're working with a student and you just want to see them grow in this. When we're talking about this in spiritual things, our job is to impart truth. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's job to equip. It's the Holy Spirit's job to be their master teacher in a way that you and I can't be. Which I love because it takes some of the pressure off of me that I feel sometimes of, oh, I'm not good enough, or oh, I just don't have the right word. No, I just need to be obedient. I just need to rest in what God has given me and impart that to someone else. My point is this, making disciples, baptizing and teaching— 
leading people and what it means to follow Jesus. Sharing the gospel is not just a command for pastors and elders and ministry leaders. My friends, it's for all of us. It's for normal people. It's for normal people. It's your command. It's my command. Every one of us has a realm of influence. Here's why I think one of the reasons why Jesus created a discipleship model and not just a go talk to your pastor or go talk to your priest or whatever model. Every one of us has a different region of influence. Who you meet this week is going to be different than who I meet. You know, you're not going to be going to the same baseball game I'm going to. You're probably not going to be going to the same store I'm going to be going to. Your work circle of people is different than mine. Your family circle is different than mine. And that is just as God intends it. Because God intends you and I to speak into the people who come within our sphere of influence. Just think for a moment. Think of maybe three to five people in your life. Like, yeah, that's a person whom I could help follow Jesus. That's a person whom I could help follow Jesus. God has placed you in their context. Some of them are just coming to faith. Others are deepening in faith. Some of them are, are, don't have a relationship with Jesus. And God has placed you in their life to show them what a real authentic walk with Jesus looks like. I was talking with a friend of mine recently. And they, uh, through the course of the last several years, have been building a friendship with someone at work. And they said, you know, Jeremy, I'm seeing some of the fruit of that relationship because as this person is going through a challenging time, I'm finding they're coming to me going, what do I do here? He's like, I feel wholly inadequate for this task. And that's okay because God is with you. <laughs> God has placed you in their life. Bless the Lord. Dads and moms, your kids, you spend a lot of time with your kids. Your kids will likely learn much more about following Christ by watching and engaging with you than anyone else, which can be kind of an overwhelming pressure, but don't let that overwhelm you. Go to God. Let him be your teacher. Let him lead you in what your kids need to learn about God. Let him use you to help point them to him so that they can really learn from the one who brings life. I told a story yesterday. We, we had a funeral service for Leon Vandenberg, just a, just a dear, dear woman of God uh, who's been a part of our, our community here for, for decades. Uh, but I was reminded yesterday, I told a story about how I had a conversation with her one time and, and she was walking through what does it mean uh, to help. She was wrestling with how do I help my kids, her younger kids at that time, um, act more appropriately. And she, the long and short of the story is, she came to this realization that what she wanted do, to do in her kids' lives, God actually wanted to do in hers. He wanted to create a dependence in her upon him. And he wanted to use her transforming life by the power of his spirit to bring transformation and to teach transformation to her kids. He, he reminded her in that moment, it's not going to be you, Leon, who's going to fully transform them. You can point them along the way, but I want to work with you, but I want to work with them. Allow me to flow through you and then demonstrate that. Model that to them so that you can become a conduit of God's blessing and you can connect them to their heavenly father who needs him to be their teacher. All right, so we have um, God's power, God's 
authority. We have Jesus gives our lives purpose, power, purpose. The last um, point for today is Jesus promises us his presence. He promises us his presence. He says in the last verse of Matthew's gospel, he says, uh, and remember, remember, that's the way mine translates it here. Yours might say, and behold, uh, behold is probably a more accurate translation because it's a word. We talked about this word last week. It's a word that calls attention to what comes after it. So it's like Matthew is saying, I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say. So remember, behold, he says this, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is an incredible oh, gift to the disciples because pretty soon he's going to be leaving. But he said, even before his death, he said, I have to go, but don't worry. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you here without power. I'm not going to leave you here without presence. In fact, I'm going to leave my spirit here with you who will instruct you in what you need. Jesus said, remember, I am with you always. It is normal to feel overwhelmed by the task of making disciples. It is normal. So many people in the world, so little time, not to mention discipleship is hard work because discipleship is not just here. Here's information, now go walk it out. Discipleship often has to do with walking with someone through the ups and the downs of life. It, it involves time. The life of a disciple is they follow their rabbi constantly. There's relationship that builds and builds and builds. Discipleship is hard work. It involves time and attention. But God never intended us to pursue his purposes without his presence. And I love that. And I need that because frankly, there's a lot of situations that I face, and maybe you do too in life, where you go, God, I don't know what to do here. God, I don't know what to say here. And he promises us, God promises us, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I like it. He doesn't say, I will be with you. And then we wonder, wait, how long will you be? No, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I will be with you forever. I will be with you. I will empower you to give you direction and purpose and power for every situation that you enter into. Remember, God never gives us direction without provision. One of the ways we walk in our own strength is we say, two ways we fail, is we say, God, I'm going to do your purposes in my power. That's one way we fail. Number two way we fail is we say, God, here's what I'm going to do. Bless it. <laughs> what he's calling us to is a walk with him, where we abide with Christ and we say, God, I don't know what to do here. And we learn to wait and we learn to obey. We learn to wait for God to say this way. And he does that through speaking through his word. He does that through conversations. And just, just, just think about the conversation that you, a conversation you had yesterday. And maybe it was an easy conversation. Maybe it was a hard conversation. God invites us in those conversations to yield our will to him and to say, God, what should I say to this person next? God, how can I encourage this person with your truth? God, how can I redirect them to something you want to do in their life? God, what can I share about what you've done for me with them? That's the kind of dependence that God is inviting us into and promising that he will be with us there. The two ways we fail, we 
try to accomplish God's purposes in our own strength and willpower. Number two, we try to accomplish our purposes and ask for God to bless them. God promises his presence with us because he doesn't want us to walk in those two ways we fail. He wants us to walk in the power of his spirit. He wants what he wants to do to become that which drives and pushes us to everything in our lives. Can I ask you a question? Do you have yielded desire to the Lord today? Have you yielded yourself to God and said, God, would you lead me? God, would you lead me? Psalm 38 says this. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Some of us may need to take that scripture home with us this week. And when we run into a moment where we go, God, I don't know what to do. Hang on a second. God, your word reminds me that I, that you, God, will instruct me and teach me in the way I should go. That you will counsel me. God, I, Father, I claim this promise of your word over my life. As a follower of Jesus, you've promised to be with me. Claim this promise. Walk in this truth and walk by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. I like how Bob Gernt says it. He says, I ask God nearly every morning to show me the work he has for me on this day. He says, having come to this point late in my life, I do not presume that he has big plans for me, but I'm totally content to work at whatever level and in whatever area he has for me. Sometimes we say, God, I want to shoot for the moon here. May we learn to just be satisfied that God is with us and he will place us as we go with intention. He will place us in the exact situation we need to be in. And he will be with us in that same exact situation. May we learn to be content to work at whatever level in whatever area he has for me. I love that because it's a great description of a yielded life to God. Have you yielded your life to God today? It may be that you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. And I want to invite you, man, life, power, purpose, and presence are found in their fullness in Jesus. And I want to invite you to, to give your life to the Lord this morning. Stop trusting the, the, the fruitless works of your, of your flesh. Stop trusting in the ways that you think you can make it on your own because you and I, we can't. Jesus stepped into this world to bring redemption to people who are lost and separated from God. God's grace is God's redemptive initiative. God's working in your life and offer to you, will you receive my promise of salvation when you trust my death and resurrection? Romans says, um, if you confess with, with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That's a truth that you can act upon today if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, have you yielded your life to God today? You, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a person in whom God dwells. But you and I, we tend to walk in our own power. And constantly, we have to learn this rhythm of going back to God and saying, nope, God, I, I don't want what I want. I don't want what my plan is. I want what yours is. And God, I don't want to work out of my own strength. I want to work out of yours. Thank you, Father, for being my strength and meeting me in my weakness.
That's something that you may need to, again, make a choice about today. Another way that you may want to pray is this. There's a whole world around us of people far from God and people struggling in their relationship with God. One way you may want to be praying today is, God, help me to be a disciple maker today. God, help me to see the opportunities that you have placed before me and to take those and to seek your leading in the middle of them. Recently, I was in a conversation with someone, and I was trying to discern this. I, I, was, I was talking about them with some things. I'm just going, Lord, how far do I push? Where's that line? How, how do I present truth? How do I build relationship? You need to talk with your Heavenly Father about what that looks like in every situation. I know for me, that's not a constant for every conversation. Sometimes I walk into conversations and I'm just, I'm just, you know, my mind's on something else. I'm trying to get to the next thing. Maybe some of us need to slow down and to recognize the people around us. Maybe go for a prayer walk in your neighborhood today. Pray for the houses around you and say, God, I don't know where they're at. Would you help me to see where they're at and to speak into their life with truth? Pray for people who are far from God, people in your family. Ask God to, people in your family, people in your neighborhood, people in your workplace, ask God to introduce you to people and seek to impart the work that God is doing in you into them. Look for natural connections with people who are open to further conversation. You know, if, so, if someone wants nothing to do with that conversation, it's okay. Keep going to the next person and say, all right, God, what truth can I share with them? Recognize that the timing is the Lord's. Prepare yourself to share your personal faith story or journey with someone. Could, could you share your faith journey with someone in two minutes? Could you share what Jesus has done in your life in just a brief encounter? I encourage you, work on something that could share how Jesus has brought you from dead to life so that your life becomes ready, ready to share of the amazing work of God's grace. Trust the Holy Spirit to do the work of conviction, but allow him to use your story because your story matters for the kingdom. Our Father and our King, we gather this morning. Father, forgive us for being dependent upon ourselves. Forgive us for seeking, seeking purposes in our life that you never intended for us to bear. Father, I thank you for the truth that you forgive us our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, God, we claim the power and the authority of Jesus in our life, living by the Holy Spirit, to empower us, to cause us to walk in a way that would please you today. We know that we please you because, God, we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works but God, we want our, our lives to consistently, more consistently reflect that work and not the work of ourselves. God, we've got a couple hundred people here listening to the sound of my voice. The people whom you are calling to go out into a dark world. God, help us to go out with intention, with focus, with passion, 
for people because, God, they matter to you and so they should matter to us. You've called us to go. Help us to go in faith and in power, with purpose and with your presence. God, may this be a constant way that we walk out our lives as your disciples. We give our lives again to you today, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.